You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. Hey, those are some good words. I liked that. That was a fun time. Um, Ava, my girl, got a word. That was a really good one. And some of these, you know, looking around and knowing the people that got words and hearing them is pretty accurate. I love that. And I think the body needs more and more and more of that. Does anybody agree? Yeah. I think that... Um, you know, the Bible says to be ready. It says preach the gospel and be ready in and out of season. And um, it, that, that verse to me always brings me to the fig tree. Uh, when Jesus and the disciples are walking one morning, they walk by the fig tree. The fig tree is in its perfect season of what it's supposed to be. The fig tree was in a season of leaves. So it, you know, it, any tree comes out of fall and winter and it's bare and then it grows leaves right we know the natural progression and then the fruit comes well after the leaves have been on the tree well the fig tree was in its perfect season of getting leaves on its tree and jesus walked by and decided that he wanted a fig well this this to me is always funny because i like whenever i first read this i always thought jesus is like wow you're kind of a diva because you know the seasons, obviously, Mr. I coordinated this whole thing called life and, um, and like creation, you know, like the whole, I, I'm pretty sure he was part of it, right? And a bit pretty big deal there. And he walks up wanting a fig in the time where there's no figs. And I'm like, wow, that's extra. And then doesn't get a fig and curses the tree. And they walk away and the disciples are like, well, that was a weird exchange, right? I mean, he literally cursed a tree. Uh, I, um, I, there's a cabinet in where we live that hits me in the head and I, I constantly curse it. It still stands. <laughs> but Jesus and his disciples the next day are walking back by the fig tree and they realize that the fig tree is wilted to its root. Like it, the whole thing is just shriveled up and died because Jesus wanted a fig out of season. And when the fig tree didn't produce, I always felt bad for the fig tree, right? Like, poor fig tree was doing what it's supposed to do. And I've talked about that before here, you know. Sometimes, I don't know how many times you've felt like the fig tree where you're like, I'm trying to do everything I know to do, Jesus. Why aren't you blessing it? And, uh, but that's just not the case. It, it wasn't about you or I. The fig tree didn't represent you or I. The fig tree represented the possibility of heaven at all times. Like, what Jesus wanted was the outcome of heaven at all times. And the fig tree was something that wasn't responding to the kingdom. Like the fig tree, Jesus was showing us the picture of the fig tree because he was showing that the kingdom is always available. The fruit is always available. Even in a season of leave, the, the trees in the kingdom produce fruit. Like the kingdom runs in a way that the, the reaper overtakes the sower of the seed. That does, that's not physically possible. The reaper is coming to reap the fruit, overtakes the sower of the seed, meaning the reaper is reaping at a point before the seed has ever even been sown. That doesn't work. That's not possible. That is absolutely insane. But that is the kingdom. The kingdom is always in a season of fruit. Heavy branches full of fruit. So Jesus walks up to the fig tree, not to give the fig tree a hard time or not to scare us into like, oh, I got to be producing. I got to be producing. I got to be producing. But Jesus walks up to the fig tree to show everyone that this is what expectation looks like in the kingdom. This is what life looks like in the kingdom. You can expect fruit right now. That's exciting. 
That's really exciting. And then the Bible says, preach the gospel, be ready in and out of season. Why? Because our lives are meant to look like the kingdom. Our lives are meant to be a representation of what heaven looks like. You are seated. You right now are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Like your life. Uh, I don't know who it is, Bill or Chris or somebody says it, that you are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. You are an, the Bible calls you an alien to this world. You are an alien to this world. Why? Because your residence is in another kingdom. And you are sent here, you know, uh, in, in Roman Empire time, they would send out what's called apostles. And apostles would go out wherever the king would send them into a place they conquered. And they would send the apostles out. And the apostles would go before the king and make wherever that place was look exactly like the Roman Empire. Culturally, everything. The buildings would change shape. Everything would look. So when the emperor came through, what he saw was Rome, even though he wasn't in Rome anymore. We, we, are, we are sent, we are here and on earth. I know this really is no good for the cameras, huh? I just walk around. He's getting used to me. He's, he's, <laughs> he just rolls with the punches. You, it's okay. You're surrounded by mature people on all sides. <laughs> we are sent out. We are heavenly beings having a human experience, sent out to make this earth look like our heaven. That's exciting. Not only that, Leif would say it, that when there's darkness, your stock goes up because you're in the light business. So if we live in an unprecedented time right now, we do. We live in an unprecedented time. And I'm sure generations past have all said the same thing. Like, this is one of the most important times to be alive. Well, I believe that this is one of the most important times to be alive. We live in an unprecedented time where there is evil in the world and there's darkness in the world. So my stock goes up because I'm in the light business. And light doesn't fight darkness. Light just turns on. Right? It's, it's good to be in the light business. It's bad to be in the darkness business because everything in the darkness will be brought into the light, right? Like there's no prophecy saying the darkness wins anywhere. But there are age old prophecies watching themselves come to pass through the years, thousands of years we'd watch prophecies come to pass over and over and all of them, all of them points towards the light prevailing. The kingdom shall forever prevail. Why? Because light always wins. This is the thing I want to talk about though. Okay, so I got you excited, so now I can do this. (laughs) Oh, this is the verse that's been just ringing inside of me. Has anybody ever heard the revival hymn? Oh man, it's called the revival hymn. It's, it's not, see, he said, sing it. Sing, hum the chorus. No, okay, I know I threw you off with the word hymn. But what it is, is the revival hymn is a 42-minute recording where they've taken revivalists of the past. So some of them, late 1800s, they've pulled their voice off wax recordings. Yeah, 
all these old revivalists in the middle of massive revival telling their stories and they've pulled their voices off these recordings and put it together in a 42 minute YouTube video that will stir you to your core. Some of it you can hear the, the um, glory to glory and faith to faith the church has taken since then because our revelation of, of God and the kingdom has expanded from what they say on this recording. But I, this recording just, it's just been stuck with me lately in this one verse also. So I'm gonna read this to you and then I'm gonna invite Randy up. Randy, you can come up right now, actually. Yeah, Randy. Me and Randy were talking about this. Hey, talk about a good guy. So last week, Randy and Matt Schwabauer, wherever he is. Oh, hi, up front. Uh, we put the first wall on the house Lace and I are building. So the first exterior wall, one big wall, is huge, huh? It's so heavy, man. It was awesome. Just standing that thing up was like victory in itself. Yes. And then yesterday... Uh, yesterday? Golly, time flies when you're having fun. No, yesterday, uh, Randy and his grandson, Boston, uh, came and we built one 40-foot wall down one side and we got it all standing. So come on, our house is starting to look like a house instead of just some blocks. <laughs> I was telling Lacey that yesterday. That's some of the worst. When people ask, like, so what's going on with your house? We're like, yeah, we're still laying block. And then a week later, like, so how'd it go? How's your house? Yeah, we're still laying block and fighting rain and pumping water out and mud and stuff. And now we're like, walls are going up. So we're like, forget it. We're out of the mud. Anyway, so Randy's going to share a dream, a half dream, half awake thing that he had. But I want to I preface it with this. This is a verse that's been ringing in my mind. And it's only first part of the verse. It's Isaiah 51, verse 9. And it says, awake, awake, put on strength. It has been ringing in my heart. I feel like we are at one of the, the most urgent times in history for the church to be equipped to be all that she's called to be. Like for us to be equipped in our identity, for us to be equipped like to hear the voice of God, and then for us to be equipped to live it out loud wherever we go. I, it feels more urgent right now. If I could explain the urgency, it would be this that we were supposed to have everything ready for a party today at 12 o'clock. And we just got up. That's what the urgency, what time is it? Yeah, it's 11.41. Everybody's coming at 12. The whole house has to be cleaned. All the decorations need to be out. If you, if you were the Peters, it would have been done yesterday. And you had the greatest spread on the table already waiting for people, like a pre-party spread, because that's how they roll. But to me, the urgency feels like this. And, and don't take this as a diss. I'm talking about the church of the world. The urgency feels like this. The party's at 12 in 20 minutes, and the house hasn't even been cleaned yet. We didn't even go shopping for decorations. And did we even, for, did we remember to send the invite out to everybody? Like, that's how it feels in my heart. Like, there is an urgency to be equipped. In dark times when the church doesn't know who she is, she'll take her identity from whoever's willing to give it to her. I promise you that. And we will fight battles that were never ours to fight. And we will be keyboard jockeys for the next greatest truth or whatever is being threatened by politics or whatever. Gas prices all of a sudden become a spiritual conversation, right? It's like... It's <laughs> because when we don't know who we are, we just try to have a voice wherever we feel like we can. 
Like we are the bride of Christ meant to extend the kingdom wherever we go, apostolically making earth look like heaven wherever we go. We are in the light business. Awake, awake, put on strength. There is an urgency. Randy's going to share a dream and then I'm going to share another one and then we're going to share another one. And another one, another one. Um, you ever have a dream and you never think you get to share with anybody and all of a sudden somebody said, what's God really saying? And then all of a sudden you get to share this dream. That's what happened. We were just sitting there talking. It was hot yesterday and we were talking and he said, hey, what's God saying? And I felt like God was telling me this. So also I got a phone call on Sunday. said, are you okay? Because once you have an encounter with God and it really messes you up and you're just like snotting and your eyes are swollen and, you know, snot's running on your nose and you're, you know, your face is just all this. That's what happened to me Sunday. Why did it happen to me Sunday? Saturday night, I was in my bed. Lisa's walking the, you know, the hall and, you know, can't sleep and like normal. But uh, I don't know if I'm asleep or if I'm awake. It's one of those things that, you know, I'm not really at, the, at what stage happened. And, and so all of a sudden, um, I remembered about 20 or 25 years ago, I was at this service in... Uh, Blood and fire. I don't know if anybody knows yeah. blood and fire. Yeah, yeah, blood and fire. And for the first time, um, what's his friend's name? Um, what's his name? <laughs> Jack Taylor. Jack, yeah, yeah, Jack, Jack Taylor was there. First time I've ever seen Jack Taylor. You can see that I'm trying to, I'm bringing back all this. And so Jack Taylor was for the first time. And guys, it, 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 it rocked my world. But the message he preached was Isaiah 6. Wait, Leif just preached Isaiah 6 with Jack Taylor last week. And so that was Sunday, but this happened Saturday night before Leif preached it here. Wait, so does he really speak to us? Sure he does. If he speaks to me, he can to anybody. And so, so he was reminding me, so he was reminding me of, of what I said, and he was talking about who, who shall I send? And this is what I sin. Send me, Lord. Send me. I want to go. I want to do it. Why do you want to do it? I just want. I want to be in your presence. That's it. I, and all these, all the asleep and awake. And this is Saturday night and dreaming this kind of stuff. I mean, it was really kind of crazy. And you know, I'm up and down, and I'm really, you know, like excited and trying to go to sleep. And then I go to sleep, and I still continue to do this. Isaiah six. Send me, Lord. Jack Taylor. Twenty twenty five years ago. Then all of a sudden, it moves from Jack Taylor to Bob Jones. And Bob Jones, I heard Bob Jones, and I, actually Bob Jones, I got to be in one of Bob Jones' services, and he got to lay hands on me, and he prophesied over me. That's a, that's a side note. But I remember that what happened Saturday night. He says, it's time. It's time. This is what the Spirit was telling me. It's time. Bob Jones preached about, or prophesied about the billion souls. He went to heaven, and God kicked him out because he said he didn't learn how to love. So he said, look, I'm kicking you out of back. You went back to earth. And he said, because there's a billion souls that's coming. And so he released this word over the body, and it gives you a hundred-year prophecy. If you can go back and listen to that, you can YouTube it. It's an amazing message, guys. In my sleep, I was thinking about Bob Jones and Jack Taylor. I couldn't get it out of my mind when I wake up. I, I mean, I said, oh, man, that's amazing. And I would even listen to it. And I'd fall asleep, and as I was sleeping, I would still be thinking about this. Well, it goes from Jack Taylor 
to, to, to Bob Jones. And all of a sudden, a friend of mine pops in my mind. Don't have nothing to do with Jack. Don't have nothing to do with Bob. But it's just an acquaintance that I have. And it just really was heavy on my heart and stuff like this. It was just really, really pressing on my heart. And so it goes from there to there. Then all of a sudden, man, and I, I, this, is what I, this is what I was telling Scott. That I seen the body. The body of Christ. And I could see the Spirit saying, it's time to arise. The great awakening is here. The billion souls, the, the harvest is here. It's right here before us. It's time to wake up. And, and the body, this is what I was saying. I'm just telling you what I was saying. This is my dream. You know, Scott just asked me to share the dream. This is what I was seeing. The body kept laying there and just said, I'm tired. You know, when I said yes, I didn't say yes just to the gospel. I said yes to, to a man that needs help. Building his house. <laughs> I said yes to, you know, if it, if it means going washing people's feet. Whatever it takes. And I meant it. Guys, but th- listen, this is the thing is, this is what I was seeing. And I hope you guys can see what I was seeing, just the way I explain it. That the body was laying there, and, and it was like, I kept saying, you got to wake up. And I could see the body was smoldering. It was just smoking in the background. And, the, and, 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 the, and this person just kept saying, I'm tired. I'm not ready to get up. I'm just not ready to get up. And he'd wake up, and he'd look around, and all of a sudden the Spirit said, it's time to get up for the equipping of the saints. There's a great harvest that's coming. There's a billion souls. And so it just, so that just, man, it kept me awake and I have all the sleep and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden I've come to church on Sunday and that's the very thing that Leif was preaching. He talked about the 400 with Scott and Lacey. And I said, oh my God, this is so, I mean, it was an encounter. Chris called me to ask me, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Because God was speaking to me about that. But I want to, this was not part of a bit. Listen, the person that was in between Jack or, or Bob and the, and, and, the, and the person's laying there, I've seen him. He's a business acquaintance. I just happened to go in the office. And when I got there, he hugged my neck. He said, dude, I need to see you. Now, the guys, one person, okay? This wasn't a multitude that I spent time with. It's one person. He came to me, and he, talk, he brought me outside, and he said, dude, I need your help. He said, I know you and I know your faith. I need your prayers. He's going through a, a, a tragic situation in his life, guys. And I happened to be there at that moment. Now, that was destiny. And he asked me, how can I forgive someone? And I walked through the same situation. And I actually helped him walk through this situation. This is how you forgive. This is how you do this. Guys, if we said yes, this is what it's about. It's just... It's time to rise up. Listen, I've been sleeping also. You know, this whole 18 months has got me thrown off. But it's time to rise up as a body. Scott, now do your thing. That's what I'm going to do. I wanted him to share that because it... So, when you get up here and do this, which... Uh, I was just reminded yesterday that 90% of the world would rather die than get up and speak in front of people. I think that's funny um, because I've done it a lot. I've never died. Nothing bad 
has ever happened to me. I don't think anything bad's ever happened to me for doing this, but um, God dropped an idea in my spirit and I've been trying to put it together and I have all these notes, but there's a, I'm very aware that God wants me to follow his leading this, this morning. So notes and I'm following his leading and I want to see where it goes. When Randy shared that with me yesterday, I, I knew when God speaks something, he doesn't usually just speak it to one person. He kind of casts seed out over the body and whoever wants to catch it, catches it. And I knew what Randy was dreaming about or the dream that Randy had was the same seed that had dropped in my spirit for right now with the awake, awake and put on strength. And then the revival hymn, which I'll read you a little bit of it in a minute. Um, but what Randy was experiencing was the spirit was telling the body it's time to wake up. The body was staying in bed and Randy could see smoke coming out from under the bed because there was something burning. For me, it was exactly what God was speaking to me. There was a revival fire burning. And unless the church knows who she is and stands in her rightful identity, there, there's a partnership between heaven and earth. God could do it all alone but he refuses to. He has co-missioned us. We are on the mission with him. He has co-missioned us. It, 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 is, it is an interlocking of the fingers of heaven and earth. Like we are here representing him and he will not do it without us. So heaven patiently awaits. That's humbling. Heaven patiently awaits. And right now, the only message I want you to hear is the Spirit is saying over the body, wake up. Wake up. For some of us, we're like, yeah, I hear the call. For others, maybe it'll be a spark in our spirit this morning that it's time to wake up. You know what COVID did? COVID lulled us to sleep on so many levels. It was, it was good in some ways and it was not good in other ways. I was telling Randy it's kind of like I don't know if you if any of you have ever had a prolonged period off of work or or an extra long break not just like a week vacation cuz a week vacation you do too much in and then you need a vacation from vacation when you get back but then you have to go to work and that just doesn't work. But you know like a prolonged break where you get used to being off it's really hard to get back on. Cuz you're so used to being off that when it's time to be back on you're like yeah I don't really know. Can I call in sick my first day back? Because I'm not sure I feel it right now. Like the alarm goes off, you're extra tired in the morning. I feel like that's been the effect of COVID on the body in so many ways. So in, in a lot of ways, it was great because we returned to family. We returned to those few relationships that we need to build stronger because we couldn't be with the masses. And so we could only cultivate what we could cultivate. And that was the people we could be around at the time. And we had to rest a little more. So a lot of us probably found out that our schedules were far too busy to be sustainable, but we just kept going forward. And this whole thing has caused us to go, oh, there's parts of my schedule that weren't serving me or anybody else well. It was busy and not productive. And it was wearing me out, right? That's the definition of toil. That's what was introduced when, when Adam and Eve ate the apple. Toil came in. We had to work the ground. We had to do, and toil is that. It's busy with no production. It's just hard work with no real fruit to it. And so we saw that. And that's the good part. We like start to get things out of our schedule. We start to drop things. We start to learn how to say no to things. We start to learn how to say yes to what's important. That was the good stuff. But the other side of it was the rest that turned into slumber. And I, this morning, I just want to tell you, like, 
I wish I could say this to the church of the world. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. It's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up and put on strength. In 2008, there was a girl that, um, I think she was from Wales. I don't know where she was from. I'm pretty sure she was though. And she was a student at Bethel Reading, uh, BSSM. And the Lord um, one day spoke to her and said, I want you to go to Mariah Chapel in Wales and I want you to walk in and I want you to yell, wakey, wakey, it's time for revival. And uh, she said, no, I'm not gonna do that. And he told her one more time, I want you to go there. I want you to walk into Mariah Chapel and I want you to yell out, wakey, wakey. And the second time he told her, she knew that if she didn't do it, she would regret it the rest of her life. She just had this feeling like, if I don't do this, I'll regret it the rest of my life. So she goes, she shows up, it's midweek when usually there's no one there. And she walks in and there's hundreds of people in the chapel, usually it's empty. So she's thinking, I'll go in, get it over with, go back, like we'll get this done. So there's hundreds of people, she's like, oh no. So she walks in the back, stands in the back and whispers, wakey, wakey, you know, like, cause it's, it's very quiet in there, it's chapel, you know. And the Lord said, I, I asked you to yell it. And so she's like, fine, you know. So she walks up in the middle of everything and she yells, wakey, wakey, you know, it's time for revival. And she stands there thinking something amazing is going to happen and nothing. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I mean, I've done a few things like that. And, uh, and so she's like, okay, that was fun. Uh, now I'm the awkward one here, you know? And so she decides, all right, she's gonna walk back across the street, catch the bus and, and go. So as she turns and walks out of the chapel, she's walking away from the chapel and the ground starts to shake violently. So the ground's shaking violently, she turns around and out of the top of the chapel, she hears this huge yawn and sees a massive angel stand up out of the church and yawn and stretch. Yeah, cool. So she has, yeah, <laughs> so she, she asked, the angel asked, why did you wake me up? And she told, she said, well, the Lord told me to come here and say this. Why were you asleep? And, or she said, who are you? And the angel said, it was something around that line. But the angel told her, I am the angel from the 1906 revival. She said, why, have, why, are you, why were you sleeping? He said, I have been sleeping since that time because no one's crying out for revival in their hearts. Lacey and I have devoted our lives to training and equipping the church because we can feel the call of uh, one of the greatest things. And when I was younger, maybe the motivation was a little bit different. One of the, one of the things I, I wanna be a part of more than anything in life is a revival that affects this world in such a crazy radical way. And if it has to be one person a day, one person at a time by myself or with a group of people and seeing God move in such a amazing way than whatever, but that's, I know I'm alive for that. And when I was younger, I was, uh, I was excited about the excitement of that. How exciting would that be? And now I'm alive for the, just the heart of God behind that, because it's a father saying, I want all my kids back, not just part of them. And so we're alive to equip the church to do the work of service. Like the whole church is meant to be equipped to go outside this building and have an impact on the world around them. And all of heaven eagerly awaits us to do what we're called to do. So this morning, I'm just telling you, it's time to get up. Maybe you say, I wasn't sleeping. Great, come on, nudge the person next to you. 
Tell him, come on, let's go do this thing. Because listen to me, the, the spirit is very clear right now. It's time to get up. It's time to do something. It's not time for lockdowns. It's not time for muzzles. It's not time for anything else. It's time to get up and be the beautiful church that we were called to be. It's time. It's, there's an urgency on it to be activated in the spirit of the Father. Like there's an urgency for you to be a prophetic person. There's an urgency for you to carry healing in your hands because you are connected to the one who is the healer. Like there's an urgency for us to believe the full gospel and preach the gospel in and out of season. Well, I feel like I've got leaves right now, but I'm not, I don't, it doesn't matter. The kingdom says you're ready. That's exciting. I'll, I'll shamelessly push it too. We have a school here that starts in a month. If you don't feel like you know who you are in the kingdom or you don't feel equipped, that's literally the one thing we do at school. Identity and equipping you to walk in power, to walk in the gifts. And we, you know what? There's an urgency and we're just going to step it up this year. We're stepping it up because we feel like, you know what? We can't even do school as normal. This year is going to be massive equipping year because we've got to have saints outside this building. We've got to have people. You live somewhere I don't live, which means you have an impact somewhere I will never have. I live somewhere you don't live, which means you need to be encouraging the impact that I have when I'm in Sonoy, Georgia, out where they filmed The Walking Dead, you know? Like, they're literally zombies in my city. Every Saturday, go. There's one guy, he's got an arrow sticking out of the front, he's like, Arr. and I'm like, could it be any more clear that the world needs us? No, he's just joking. I, I love that I live there. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Uh, there is an urgency for us to be equipped. Listen to me. I, I, I'm serious. This is a shameless plug for the school because I, I believe in what we're doing. Our staff is absolutely amazing. Lacey and I, I mean, we are all there every day equipping. I'm speaking multiple times a week in the school. Why? Equipping, wanting people to get it, the truth of who you are, the truth of who he is, and then what that means to the world around you. Sign up for the school today. We got a table out there. Go sign up for the school today. If you're like, I don't know if I can get the money. Guess what? First step of faith right there. Already the school is equipping you to walk in faith just because you don't know if you have the money. I'm serious. And you could ask students that have gone through the school, how, how big of the school experience for you was actually paying your tuition and doing that kind of stuff? Come on. He's like, yeah, it was easy for me because he rolls. It's crazy. Like a huge testimony of, our, of a lot of students through the years of doing this 20 years. Yours was free. See, See that? This is just, the, this is the Lord, his handprints on those things. Or maybe yours looks different and it's a faith walk month by month. But you know what? He's faithful. So take the step, sign up for the school today. That's a shameless plug. There is an urgency for you to be fully you, fully equipped, fully alive, fully in him and living from that place. It's not time to sleep. It's, it's important that we know the times and the seasons. With well, the time and the season now, there's a time for rest. There's a time for play. There's a time for laughter. There's a time for tears, right? I mean, I'm going to start singing a song in a minute. And there's a time to stand up 
and be powerful, and we are living in that time right now. The world is in need of a voice, and it's got to be a clear voice, and it's got to be a clear voice that points to the Father. The world is looking for a Father. The world is looking for a Savior that looks like Jesus, whether they know it or not. They're waiting patiently. The Bible says all of creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. Why? Because God won't do it without us. He has called us to be the church, alive and well, a voice with authority, a voice that is kind and loving, a voice of acceptance, a voice that extends like the hand out. Come on. You want to meet dad? He's better than anyone told you he was. Lives that show what it is to be in the kingdom where people look at your life and they go, I don't know what it is, but I need what you have on your life. I don't know how many times we have heard that people tell us, I don't know what it is about your life, but I need what it is. What is it that you have going on in your life? Even when it's hard, you, feel, you seem like you just kind of stay at peace. What is that? It's easy. People will come to you. Randy has a dream about God waking the church up, and then in the middle of the dream, he shows him one man that he knows. The next day, this guy, Randy, ends up going and seeing this guy, and this guy is like, I needed to see you. This is the way the kingdom works. The reaper overtakes the sower. Like God was speaking to the man's heart, and, and, and he knew he needed someone. I don't know how many of my friends I had from when I was a drug dealer punk kid that call me when their life hits bottom. They call me, even though I haven't talked to them in years and years and years. They call me, hey, you're the only person I know that I can talk to about this that will understand what's going on. Why me? They have other friends that they're around all the time. I haven't talked to them in 10 years, and they'll call me. Because there's something meant to be on the life of the church. You are meant to be a lighthouse in a dark and stormy sea. Like you are meant to be a shining example of heaven. You are meant, like heaven pointed its canon of favor and blessing and increase and all the things we sing and say at you and your life. And all we have to do is be in a place where we know who we are and whose we are and accept it on our lives and then walk out these doors with it. Listen to this. These kind of messages sometimes overwhelm people because they're like, well, I'm not an evangelist. Let's straighten it out. The evangelist is only there to equip the saints to do the work of evangelism. So you don't have to be an evangelist to do evangelism. Evangelists actually equip the body. The body walks out and the body are the ones that do the evangelism. So that's fine. You're not an evangelist. Well, look at the person next to you and say, we're called. Come on, say it. Because you're called to be that thing. And so people get overwhelmed and they go, oh, I'm not really an evangelist. Or when I hear messages like this, it stresses me out. Or I'm not sure what to do. Or I don't want to stand on a street corner and preach with a loud microphone. Well, good. Thank God you're in the right place because I don't think that actually... <laughs> I don't personally do that myself either. Um, I, only way I've seen it, I've seen it done a few times well, but that was when I was with my friend Chris Overstreet, and there were some people preaching doom and gloom on the corner, and he said, hey, can I say a few words? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, hey, everybody, I just wanted to tell you that Jesus loves you, and he's got a plan for you. I mean, he just started going. So that was done well. It's his personality, though. It's not my personality to do that either. I don't want a microphone on a corner. Do not give it to me. I will feel horrible the whole time. And I'll be like, oh, I feel so dumb. And that was, <laughs> Chris came to Walmart once and we, and we, me and Lacey had a line of people that we were praying for. And we were trying to be 
discreet about it, but Chris came up and he's like, of course you got a line of people in the frozen food section at Walmart getting prayer. They weren't even church people. It was awesome. This is our lives. Listen to this. So you feel overwhelmed by the idea of I have to be on all day, every day. I have to be an evangelist wherever I go. I have to get everybody saved everywhere I go. That's not what I'm saying. That sounds like toil. That sounds like a lot of work. This is what I'm saying. What if, let me dumb this way down because I, I thought about this and I thought, well, is that really, I did the math. If there are 150 adults in here and each one of us decided, God, I'm gonna listen to you every week for that little nudge, that little push in the right direction. Like Randy saw this guy, so he went to talk to him. That was the nudge. God gave him a vision, he followed it. He went to talk to the guy. The guy needed to talk to Randy. If I just did one thing a week, one person a week for a year, there's 150 adults in here. If each one of us just listen to God once a week for one person, in one year, 7,800 people would be impacted by what God put on our lives. Almost 8,000 people affected by this small group of people because we listened once a week. I'm yelling because I'm excited. I'm not yelling because I'm mad. <laughs> it looks, I know it looks like I'm mad, but I'm not. Serious. Wakey, wakey. It's time for revival. Wake up, wake up, put on strength. It's time to get up. There's smoke coming out from under the bed. That's never a good thing. <laughs> Ian Paisley on the revival hymn. This isn't for everybody, but I felt like I was supposed to read this. A lot of my messages are very uh, um, uplifting, and every once in a while, I'm going to read something like this because I feel like I have deposited it in the account of positivity with you guys enough that I can make a withdrawal. <laughs> this is like $5 out right here. Ian Paisley said this, and this convicts my heart, and it convicts my spirit. So if you're in here this morning and you needed to hear this, then take this one in. It says, the church of Jesus Christ is largely sleeping like a great bedroom, and you have all the Christians in bed and they're all sleeping and they're saying, please don't wake me up. I wanna sleep on. It's exactly what was said in Randy's dream. And of course, when God starts to operate a revival, people can't sleep. You can't sleep in church when the Spirit of God awakens the people. Look at the first verse in the 52nd chapter. Awake, awake, put on sleep. Wake it up, you sleepy Christians. Awake thou that sleepeth. Arise from the dead. Christ will give you life. Listen to me. If you're in here this morning and you feel like you have been sleeping as a Christian, today the alarm clock is going off. It's time to wake up. You are called to be part of this radical thing called revival. There are prophecies through the ages of a billion souls. You know, in 1906, William Seymour on an interview, a live interview, gave a word and he said, in a little over a hundred years from right now, it was actually in 1908, in a little over a hundred years from right now, there will be the greatest revival the world has ever seen, more souls than we have ever seen. 
It's 2020, that was 1908. We're just a little over 100 years away from that prophetic word too. I line my life up with the prophetic and I'm telling you right now in front of all of you, I am committed to what God wants to do on this world and I know you are too, so let's stand and do it together. Let's not be sleepy anymore. Let's not wait for someone else. Let's not do church as usual. Like who really gets up for that? <laughs> Could you imagine waking up and coming here to be with everybody for a couple hours just to play club? It's what we do. We sing four songs, have announcements and offerings saying someone speaks and then we go home. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful if God's in it. The spirit of the living God is upon me and he's called me. And my life preaches one person a week, almost 8,000 people get touched. That's staggering. That's wild. And we've got these young revivalists being trained up right here in our youth. And we've got even younger revivalists next door getting trained up. And we're, we're alive for a time such as this. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to stand. It's a good day to stand firm in who we are. And when we've done everything else, we stand. It doesn't matter what's happening politically. It doesn't matter what's happening. I mean, there's so many things happening right now. And we can get disillusioned by them. And we can get distracted by them. Or we can keep our eyes on the one true prize. And that is him. And he is good. And from that place of locking eyes with him, we realize how amazing he is. And when we realize how amazing he is, we start to realize he's made us amazing too. Like I'm made in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. He's made me amazing too. And not only did he make me amazing, and it wasn't for nothing. He made me amazing for a reason. He made me amazing, one for him and two for the world. I'm amazing for other people. Listen to me. You are amazing for other people. And knock that crap off when you say, well, I'm not really that. Stop it. You talk yourself out of amazing. Don't say things that God isn't saying over you. You disqualify yourself when he's qualified you. What qualifies you? Him. Not your doings. He qualifies you. You're holy. Why? Because he's first holy. Your righteousness shines through you. It's his righteousness. We're wearing someone else's clothes. He's good. And he's made you good. And he's called you for a time such as this. You could have been born in any time in history. But you were reserved. For right now. People don't know what to do. Guess what? When the church gets in her rightful place, she'll have answers to some of the world's hardest problems. Guess what? When the church gets in her rightful place, stories like that with the guy who really needed Randy are just kind of like a, a daily thing that accidentally happened. It feels like an accident. It feels like it accidentally happened to me. It just happens. Why? Because I've stepped myself into the place of availability and the kingdom goes, okay, let's do something with this. It's time to stand up. I'm going to invite Stephen up here if, he, if, he, if he'll, 
Good Lord. Whew. I was going to give you a few minutes. I was going to ramble. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a dream right now. Look, I'm joking around a little, but there is a seriousness about this moment. It really is. I feel it stirring inside of me. There was a time where we traveled the world full time, preaching the gospel everywhere. I mean, we've been around the world. <clears throat> preached the gospel to a bunch of people in Germany and watched miracles, signs and wonders break out and a whole group of people get saved right there on the spot. Not asked to get saved, but just want to give their life to Jesus because radical things happen. We've been in the Philippines and watched as a whole cruise ship of youth, the presence of God fell on the cruise ship and just wrecked them all. I mean, we're talking, they laid there, we went to lunch, had other things we did, went shopping, came back, they're still laying on the ground, trembling and crying because the presence of God fell on them in such an amazing, phenomenal way. I went to uh, Takloban where the super typhoon happened and wiped out an entire island of people. The water was 18 feet deep across the entire island. There's a cruise ship sitting in the middle of their town because it was in sea, but it came onto land, and then when the waters receded, it's still sitting there. And I watched as every single person in the meeting had lost someone really close to them, like immediate family. And we watched as the presence of God fell on that place. And all these young people turned back to the sea and started worshiping Jesus as loud as they could back at the sea, sending a message that we cannot be stopped. The presence of God, I've seen him move all over the world. Do you know what I'm most excited about? Everybody in my school ministry class said, I want to go to the nations. I never said that. I said, I want to go to the U.S., because people would come with these stories from Africa of people getting out of wheelchairs and tumors disappearing and all this crazy radical stuff. And I'm like, that sounds awesome for Africa. But why don't I ever hear it here in the U.S.? When I was in school ministry, I thought, why are never, there's never these testimonies from the U.S.? Well, guess what? There are. He's moving. He's radical. He's just the same as you hear those testimonies from Africa and the Philippines and Nicaragua where we've been to those places. He's moving here. I could tell you about a boy in Gadsden, Alabama in a, a, a semi-max uh, youth detention facility who had no... Um, shelf on the back of his skull where his brain was supposed to be so his brain would rest on his uh, cervical stem whatever that's called right there the, his neck the top of his neck and it was breaking his his uh, top disc was breaking and his neck was mushrooming at the top it's called Sharia malformation or something like that this kid couldn't even bend over without almost passing out and getting migraine headaches couldn't do anything we sat there in a, a, a youth detention facility and watched as Jesus touched this young man's head and he felt all of the pressure leave his head for the first time in his life. He didn't have a headache. He had a headache his entire life. Headache leaves. Jesus built a new shelf in the back of his head for his brain. He has all the pain go away. And this young man stands there and puts his palms on the ground in front of everyone. At the same time, one of the detention uh, employees, one of the ladies, like the guards there, she couldn't walk. Her knee was bent in and she had all these problems with her hips. She couldn't walk without doing this. Same exact time, her leg is straightening out and she's starting to walk normal in a detention facility in Gadsden, Alabama. He is moving. I went to Huntsville, Alabama, and I saw the same thing in a supermax state penitentiary full of murderers. The presence of God had fallen on that place and they had a school of ministry in there. A school of ministry. They, all the 
seats had Chris's books on it, Danny's books on it, like all these revival books all over the seats when heaven invades earth. All these guys that were murderers were in a prison having a full-on revival. People would come in the prison and get out of wheelchairs as a new person at the prison. They're getting saved and healed and delivered right there. I'm telling you, if he's moving in a supermax, he's moving in your town. He's moving in your city. He's moving in your work. Sometimes he's moving, but we don't see it because we don't step into the availability box. Available is what Randy said. Here I am, send me. It's a position of the heart. I'm going to open the front up. I, I didn't know how this was supposed to end, so I just told Stephen, come up here and be you. I'm going to open the front up, though, because I feel like there's there's got to be a... a, a, a physical response to a spiritual calling. There's something important about saying, here I am, God, and stepping forward. And maybe that's all my years in youth ministry, or maybe that's just the fact that, I don't know, I, I feel it in me that I feel like we're supposed to almost have like a, a youth ministry altar call today, where we invite everyone forward that wants to respond to the call that it's time to wake up. And it's like a physical sign of God, here I am. I'm going to step to the front in front of everybody around me because I hear the call. I know that I live in an unprecedented time. I know that you have called me for great things, so here I am, send me. And if you're here and you feel like, man, I'm convicted because I feel like I have been sleeping, or maybe life has just lulled me to sleep, then guess what? Today is the spark. Today is the spark. Today there's smoke starting to come out from under the bed. It's time to get up. And there's a physical response that happens. And I know the faithfulness of God will meet you right up here. So that's what we're gonna do. I wanna invite everybody forward. It's time to get equipped. It's time to stand in our identity. It's time to be the church. It's time to be a voice. It's time to be radicals. Father, I ask that what you released in my spirit was fire falling on an altar. And God, we just say, here we are. The altar of the Lord. Here is your sacrifice, God. Here is the, here am I, send me. And God, let fire fall on this altar this morning. God, ignite our hearts. God, I thank you that it's time for the sleepy to be removed from the eyes. God, it's time for the, the body to stand up with air in its lungs, with a voice. God, it's time for action, Lord. I thank you that the stage has been set. The harvest is full. And God, we say, here we are. Here are your workers, Lord. Send us out into the harvest. Jesus, let your fire fall. Holy Spirit, move on our hearts. <sighs> Leif spoke about it last week. Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonnke, Jack Taylor. There's been many greats in the faith that have passed in this last year and a half. And there's a baton that needs to be passed. And I feel like heaven's asking who will take the baton? Who will stick out their hand? Who will say here?